0: Hello and welcome back to episode 21 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I have been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of future and current teachers and I love a good story and I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for their educators to thrive in their own. And that's what we talk about on this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, and meaningful, and really just an epic classroom. All right, everybody. Well, it is good to be back on the pod. It has been a crazy couple of weeks in the Muir household. Uh, If you've been paying attention to the news, you may have seen that a really big hurricane moved over the Gulf of Mexico, and then it made a hard right turn into what is called Charlotte Harbor and made its way right across my hometown of Port Charlotte, Punta Gorda area, and this is where I spent my whole childhood, and I lived through a really big hurricane when I was in high school, and it was just this big, massive, disruptive, and memorable event, and it's been 18 years since then, since the last hurricane hit my hometown, and then Hurricane Ian turned right just like Hurricane Charlie did, and it went right over our town. And uh, I just spent a couple days in just some pretty big feelings of anxiety as, as I watched it make its move and cause a lot, a lot of disruption. And all of my love and prayers are for the people uh, who have been affected by it and who have lost loved ones by it and have just felt that massive disruption all over again. And, and one of the people who was uh, in, in the middle of the storm who experienced the eye this time around was my grandpa And uh, he is 84 years old and lives down there uh, without a whole lot of family around. And so as soon as the storm passed, I loaded up and I met my brothers and we drove all the way down. Um, I live in Michigan. My brothers are in Tennessee. We drove all the way down to Florida. And it took a long, long time. But finally, we made it to my grandpa and we spent two days of doing nothing but working hard and using chainsaws and cleaning up trees and bringing him gas and just, and food and provisions. And I just got a text message that his power just turned back on after more than a week and a half without it. And so it was just this whole journey and adventure and it was a lot, a lot of work and a lot, a lot of travel and it was absolutely worth it. Um, just to get to share a little bit of love and gratitude with my grandpa. I remember when I got there, he said to me, he's like, I don't know how we're going to pay you guys back for this. And I was like, pops, you helped raise us. We're paying you back. And, and I don't know. I don't even know why I'm saying this on the podcast, other than there's something really special about family. Um, especially finding ways to serve and help them when they need it most. And I got to do that. And, and it was such a joy to get to join up with family and, um, and go and tackle a big problem together. Uh, we were all so motivated as we got down there. And, and that motivation fueled the effort we put in the rest of that weekend. Um, and, I, and I guess there's my education tie to it, because you know our best work comes when we care about it right? like our when, when when we actually have motivation there's purpose that's fueling the work that we're doing we work so much harder you know what I mean like if, if I was asked to go down there with a chainsaw and there was no big event and no destruction it was just a job to cut up trees and, and and do it for the sake of making money or whatever typical reason you might do that I might not have worked as hard as I did I might not have waded through two feet of water and and almost had a tree fall down on me and, and got up early and stayed up late working and sweating. But when there was a good reason for it, when it was to serve this beloved grandfather who had such a pivotal role in my life, who still does, it's like, yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of, it didn't take a whole lot of convincing to hop on a plane to Tennessee and then get in a truck and drive 18 hours to do this because there was something fueling it. There was something that was, that was persuading us, engaging us uh, to put in the work, and that was purpose. There was, there was this deep purpose to it. And I'm always, as an educator, trying to figure out how can I articulate the purpose of the work before my students. And so whether that's the kids in the classroom or if I'm working with teachers, how can I help people understand that what we're doing matters here, right? There's this underlying why, that can fuel our how. Um, and, and what we find over and over again, and research backs this up as well, is that when we are doing work that we understand is meaningful, when, when the, the why has been articulated to ourselves, or when we have metabolized the purpose, we've been able to really digest why we're doing this work, our output is tenfold. We put in so much more effort, and we do better work when we know there's a good reason behind it. And today I want to talk about boredom. And I talked about this on episode two, but I wanted to take a different look at it. Um, Because, you know, we live in a society, a culture that seems pretty anti-boredom. Right? Like there's just this constant barrage of media and social media and noises and advertisements and color. I mean, you can't go anywhere without looking at a big billboard And, and, and I feel like that's teaching us that you should never be without stimulation, right? Like that you should never go a moment of life without being bored. Boredom is the enemy. Um, And and it's the enemy of the classroom. You never want to let your students be bored. And it's the enemy of parents. You never want to let your kids be bored. And yet, I think that's all wrong. I think we're missing something when we see boredom as this enemy. And yet, again, we live in a culture. If you live here in the States, if you live elsewhere, maybe it's different for you. But the culture I live in in seems to be anti-boredom. Boredom Boredom is bad. And you know, I just, I went on uh, Friday, Thursday of last week, I went on a speaking gig um, in uh, the Winnipeg area in Manitoba. And so I flew into North Dakota and then rented a car and made the three-hour journey, journey north. And as I was driving through the prairies of North Dakota, about every half mile, there's a big billboard on the side of the road. And if you live in America, you know exactly what, you're, what I'm picturing here, whether it's a billboard for McDonald's or a business or just some type of message somebody wants to get out there. You can't go very far driving on the interstate system in America without having something advertised to you. And really, without something to look at and something to read and something to occupy your mind. That's kind of the standard. And then I got to the border and, and I got through customs, which for some reason freaks me out. I don't know why. Maybe it's because he, he wanted to know, this border patrol wanted to know every single thing I was planning to do in Canada the next day. And finally, when he let me through, I started driving. And, and if you've ever driven across the American-Canadian border, there's not really a defined difference in what it all looks like. It's just uh, There's just a big old fence along the, the fields. But otherwise, it just looks like everything else except the kilometer signs. And also there's just no billboards. As I started driving into Canada, I'd go miles and miles and miles without any advertisements, just open space as far as you can see of, of farms and fields and trees and rivers, but none of the billboards. And I was just kind of shocked by this because you cannot go anywhere in America without seeing these billboards. And then I get to Canada and it was just no billboards. None of the, 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 the things to do along the ride, to read and, uh, and take your brain's focus away from whatever else it is. You're just there and there's nothing to see. And I don't know, I, the, the reason that really hit me, I think, is because our culture seems to be so anti-boredom. And I think there's a problem with that. I mean, if you know me or if you've listened to this podcast for a while or maybe you've uh, seen me speak at a school or conference or you've watched my videos for a while, whatever it is, you might know that I love to tell stories. I love them. I love to tell exciting stories from my childhood, like the story of when I jumped on the back of a live 7-foot long alligator or or I could tell you about the hurricane. I could tell you about the time the hurricane Charlie knocked over my great grandparents' apartment and I had to piggyback my 90-year-old great grandmother out of the wreckage during the eye of the storm. I mean, I could spend all day sharing about losing that soccer game because I wasn't paying attention in the goal or I could talk about playing Pranks on the school bus with my friends. I mean, I love delving through life for those really great stories. But the truth is, much of my childhood was boring i mean summer vacation with e- was either spent sitting in a shady spot under a tree with nothing to do or maybe i was sweating in the sun doing chores i mean the bus rides to school usually involves staring out the window and picking at gum on the back of the seat or, and you know the truth is every other hurricane just went up the coast and missed my town completely thank god but there wasn't a whole lot of hurricane stories for my upbringing. And so like life was often boring. And I mean, really boring. A lot of my childhood was not exciting. It was boring and yet it wasn't mundane. You know, those down moments in life, the moments that made up most of my days were some of my most formative. In times when there was nothing to do, That that's when your brain is at its most creative. I mean, I used to come up with stories on those long summer days. I would seek out friends in the neighborhood to go play ball at the park, or even just to sit in the boring shade with me. You know, at the lunch table at school, we would take turns twisting an apple stem, calling out a letter for every single turn, and whoever broke the stem off was destined to marry a girl whose name started with that letter. I mean, we didn't have supercomputers to keep us occupied during lunch. We had to come up with ridiculous games like that. My brother would yell at me every single evening for invading his room while he played Jeopardy with his friend who was on the other line from the landline in his bedroom. I mean, there just so many creative outlets for our boredom and because this was all there was to do. I mean, if you wanted to enjoy yourself, You had to get creative. Life was often boring, but that boredom was the birthplace of creativity. You know, honestly, our culture has a problem with boredom. It's become the enemy of people, synonymous with bad. It's bad for us to be bored. School should always be exciting. Schedules should always be packed with soccer practice or ballet practice or clubs or birthday parties. Road trips are defined by iPads and movies. We've got unlimited data plans that are replacing Wi-Fi passwords. We feel guilty when we have a Saturday with nothing planned. As If sitting at home with nothing to do is like a sin against our culture. And you know, as a result of this, we have a much less bored society. You know, my son has friends in third grade who have newer iPhones than me, and I'm talking several years newer than me, in third grade. I mean, those kids never have to be bored, because the truth is it's hard to get bored if you have your cell phone. There's always something new to play or look at or think about or be distracted by when you have a phone, and now we've got third graders and probably a lot younger. Who have brand new iphones you know as a teacher one of my greatest competitors for students attention was fortnite being played underneath their desks i mean why do i have to put my phone away mr muir they'd ask me and i'd always reply because we're about to read this book but that's boring mr muir (laughs) well i don't think it is especially if you dedicate some mental space to it but that does take work That takes embracing some silence. That means looking up from a screen into the world that you're actually in. And it might not always be exciting, and maybe even a little boring at times, but that's perfectly okay. You know, a school district in the city that I live just instituted this district-wide ban on cell phones for all students in the school. During school hours, students are not allowed to have a cell phone in their possession. And you have to imagine, of course, there was this huge outcry from many parents and a lot of students and even some of the teachers about the cell phone ban. I mean, parents would say, what if I needed to get in touch with my child during the day? What if there's an emergency? And students, of course, said, but my cell phone's a very real part of my world. I mean, my school needs to accept that this is a reality. And some teachers would say, at the school, I heard from many teachers that work there, they'd say, well, from video projects to conducting research, I have my students utilize their phones all the time. They're actually a tool in my classroom. And of course, we hear from society, if we want people to know how to use technology responsibly when they're adults, we have to teach them that in school. I mean, I mean, I get it. These are all legitimate reasons to not ban phones. However all of these reasons, all of the reasons why we might want to still have smartphones in kids' pockets in school, they all do come at a cost. You know, from the increasing mental health issues in young people that have a direct correlation to cell phone usage, to the constant disruptions that happen because of them, we have to weigh the pluses and the minuses of this technology in schools. And at a deeper level, we have to consider the ramifications of a society that doesn't know how to be bored. You know, when I get home from work, I often have to lock my phone in a drawer in my kitchen. And I have to do this. Otherwise, I know that I will check it way too often when I really should be engaged with my family. I mean, I know how tempting it is to check my email. I like that dopamine rush from seeing Facebook notifications. I, I know how, even though I love playing with my kids, I really do. It can sometimes get a little boring after a while, and my phone is a great antidote for that. I've had to create a structure, a discipline for myself to resist temptation to escape boredom. I mean, I'm no better than my students with phones underneath their desks. I And it's just true. If I'm bored, that is my go-to. I'm no better than them with this. And this is why I need this discipline. And this self-regulation is derived, you know, the the reason I'm, I'm kind of a maniac about it and there's no judgment for people who do not have discipline with their phones. I get it. They are addictive and sometimes they're really helpful and useful and that dopamine feels really good. I get it and I fall back into it often. But the truth is, I really try to make an effort to self-regulate because I have all of these fond memories of having a disconnected childhood. I remember the richness of sitting at the dinner table without screens. And it wasn't because we had a discipline back then. It's because they didn't exist. There was no such thing as screens at the dinner table. And I remember how rich that was. And that's why when my two kids and my, my family sits around the dinner table, there is no screens, right? The phone has to be in the other room. There is no tablet or anything like that out because I just know the value that comes from sitting there and just being present. I mean, I remember writing stories at the kitchen counter just for the sake of writing stories. I recall the great ideas we would come up with because there was nothing else to do. And I want this for my kids. And honestly, I still want it for myself. Lack of technology forced a cell phone ban on me as a child, and I'm grateful for that. And so are a lot of other adults from my generation who grew up in a more boring time period. Yeah, I mean, not to get all Andy Rooney on you, but there is something undeniably sweet about a time before cell phones. Now, does this mean that cell phones are inherently evil? No, definitely not, and not even necessarily in schools. They have allowed me to connect with past friends and family in amazing ways, and it's also helped me connect with teachers, millions of them all around the world, because of the advent of technology and social media and cell phones. It's been amazing that way. I mean, they allowed my students to film interviews with actual World War II veterans and then use social media in class to connect with kids in other countries and share their films with them. That wouldn't happen without present technology. That wouldn't happen without these supercomputers in students' pockets that also have unbelievable 4K cameras. That is a positive from this technology. Cell phones are not inherently evil, and are often an incredibly useful tool, but they are the bane of boredom. And so we have to be aware of that, and we have to create systems and structures to make sure that we can still disconnect, and that allows students to still disconnect. And this might mean cell phone bans in schools. It also might mean just placing restrictions on them, and teaching students how to manage their time on their phones responsibly. And it also means adults locking their phones in the kitchen kitchen drawer more often and turning off the podcast on the drive to work every now and then and sending their third graders to school without iPhones in their pockets, which might be a hot take. I don't know. And, And listen again, no hard feelings if you do that, but my kids will not have iPhones in third grade and probably not for quite a while. And again, it's not because they're evil. It's because I want them to be bored sometimes. I want their brains to be flexed and exercised in ways that can't happen when they are constantly engaged on a screen. And, and that's just the truth of it. And not to mention, and we can talk about this some other time all of the temptations and the other types of distractions and, and even dangers that come with cell phones in school and beyond. And so for all those reasons, I, I, that's why I'm gonna do that with my kids and that's why in my classrooms, there is a rule that you may not have your cell phone out in class and I get it. Sometimes your parents might be texting you but if they really need to get a hold of you, they can get in touch with the office because I think it's pretty clear that they are distracting, but then they also fight against boredom. And, and there is something so beautiful about having an unoccupied mind or at least a free mind to learn and be present with whatever is in front of you. And so as we think about boredom, As we think about moving forward into this constantly evolving, developing 21st century, I think we have to ask what kind of people do we want our students to be in the present, but then also be in the future? Do we want them people who can, can, have some monotony in their life and be okay with it can we have do we want people who have the grit and persistence to get through boring moments to find that they don't kill you but that they're actually good for you that that is actually the birthplace of creativity do we want students who know how to be bored because if the answer is yes which i'm hoping you would agree that there's some value to a life that is sometimes boring That's not always exciting and not always stimulating. If that's what we want for our students, then I have to think it's essential that we give them opportunities to do so. Because here's the thing, boring is not the same thing as not engaged. Boring is not the same thing as not being engaged. You know, some of the best parts of my life, my professional life now are often boring. When I sit down and I write a video, sometimes I get into the flow state and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a great video. And I'm thinking up visuals and I'm finding great words and I'm figuring out how to craft them together and I'm reading it back to myself and I'm making revisions and I love that writing process. But sometimes I sit down and I just look at that Microsoft Word document and the cursor just blinking at me and it's just daring me to write something, and I cannot stand up to it, and I just have to sit there, and all of the temptation is to be like, all right, well, I'm just going to go browse some Instagram until a new idea pops into my head, or I'm just going to go on Twitter and and read a bunch of negative stuff that's going to get me all fired up for some reason, and, and I'll just avoid what I'm trying to write, and yet, sometimes, I just sit there, and it's boring, and I want the ideas to come, and they're not coming, and so I just have to sit with it. And that's when the ideas start flowing. That is when the special sauce is, is created. That's where the good stuff comes from, are from those moments where there's just nothing else taking up space in my mind. And, and it's boring. And I got to be honest with you, I get into that flow state. Maybe we could talk about that sometime too soon. But sometimes I get in the flow state and writing comes easy. But often it doesn't. Actually, more often than not, it doesn't. And it's work and it's boring. And it requires me to be gritty. And I have to kind of figure out, all right, why are you writing this? Why is it worth being bored? Why is it worth the mental anguish of trying to write? And my writers probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But when I can identify that why... When I can just remind myself, oh, this is why you're writing this. You want to share this idea. You want to you get this thing you're excited about out to people. You've, you learn something that works, and you want to help other people figure out how to make it work in their own lives or in their own classrooms. And when I'm reminded of that and I've got that why, all of a sudden that starts stimulating my brain, and I can figure out, all right, how am I actually going to do this? Just like, how am I gonna help clear out all of these trees and work really hard after this hurricane? How am I gonna do that? I don't know, but you got a good reason why, so you're gonna figure it out. And that is really the baseline for everything, is if I can communicate why this is important, I'm gonna figure out how to do it. Students don't necessarily want to be bored, but if they have a good enough reason for doing the work, if we can communicate to them or find some way For it to be communicated to them that this work matters to them. It's relevant. It has meaning. There's purpose behind it. If we can do that, that is when students learn to push through the boredom. And then when they get the other side of it, they might even realize how good it is to sometimes be bored. So anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. It's good to be back in the podcast booth, sharing some ideas with you. It has been a crazy few weeks, whether it's traveling with work and spending time with just phenomenal teachers, or it's going down to Florida and cleaning up a bunch of uh, forests that fell in my grandpa's yard. Um, It's been busy, but it's been really, really good. And uh, it's good today, though, just to be sitting and chatting and uh, thinking about things that can make us into better teachers and people and friends, and uh, that's what I like to do. So anyway, thank you for listening to the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir, and uh, whatever you do in the classroom, whether you are a teacher, parapro, school leader, parent, fill in the blank whatever you do just know how appreciative I am that you are constantly trying to find ways to get better at entering the lives of your students entering the lives of your schools and communities and making them more epic so anyway thanks for listening we'll talk to you next time